0: Welcome to Getting Work to Work, a weekly podcast exploring the creative and curious world of work through monologues and conversations with creative entrepreneurs, storytellers, and change makers. It's that time of year when content creators are taking a moment to pause, reflect, and plan for next year. It could be looking at the themes you want to cover for the coming year, new project ideas or people you want to interview, You may want to address that one sticking point in your process to increase flow from start to finish. No matter what it is, I hope you enjoy the planning process and consider the addition of a few areas to reflect upon, such as enjoyment, depth, increased authenticity, and worrying less about what other people think of you. I feel that 2024 will be a noisy year from start to finish. With a lot of drama, real and manufactured, so the more you can be in touch with your voice at the beginning, the better off you'll be as the year unfolds. Show notes and links to all the good stuff mentioned in this episode can be found at gwtw.co 739. I know, I know, it's Thanksgiving week. We still have a month and change before the end of the year. But like Black Friday sales happening sooner and sooner in the month, so is the planning for next year. For me, the planning is mainly centered around setting up Notion for my upcoming GWTW newsletters, planning the next season of Beyond Your Imagination, and tracking my client projects. I desperately need to upgrade from index cards and a large piece of paper on my office wall to something digital, flexible, and available on multiple devices. For this podcast, I don't really do a lot of planning at this stage of its existence. Interviews are recorded and scheduled through February, and monologues are approached the week of. Not out of laziness, but out of a desire for them to reflect the actual thinking in the moment. They are part diary and part real-time case study of what it takes to create in this modern world. And this is often the planning I see content creators making, looking at their content calendar, setting it up for the year ahead, and starting to drop ideas into it. There's nothing wrong with that one bit. It's extremely helpful. But I do think there are a handful of reflection questions that might help you to move forward as planned or in new ways. And that's what I want to share in today's episode. I'm going to share 10 reflection questions for you to ponder as you plan for 2024 and beyond. The first question is this, (laughs) what is your level of enjoyment in the production of your projects? Do you hate it? Do you love it? Is it somewhere in between? I think if you aren't enjoying what you're doing, that is the number one indicator that a change is necessary. I absolutely love everything that I'm doing right now. Sure, some of it's harder than others, But if I didn't enjoy it, I would know that it would be time for that project to be done. So ask yourself this question and answer honestly. Because if you are not enjoying it, your audience can tell. The people that listen to or engage with you, they know. And you might be the last one to know. So are you enjoying it? Are you hating it? Be honest. The second question how easy is it to share your work with others? I've been thinking about this question a lot because you know, social media is one of those places where a lot of us share our work. But sharing our work on social media isn't necessarily the same as sharing our work to other people. They might not ever engage with the thing that you're sharing on social media. They might share the thing about the thing. And I know that seems really confusing, but we want people to engage with the things that we're making, not just the marketing around the thing. And so, you know, how can we make it easier for people to engage with our work? How can we decrease the friction of sharing the actual thing? And I think the reason why it's so hard on social media is because social media wants us to stay on the platform. And if our thing is on our website, then of course we're going to have to leave the social network. I think as content creators, we need to imagine a new way of sharing and engaging with our work so that people are actually engaging with it. The third reflection question, what is the cost of your obsession with relevance? As content creators, we want to be relevant to what's going on in the world and what's going on around us. But I think there's a price to be paid with this obsession with relevance. Not everything that we make is going to be relevant. I believe that relevance ebbs and flows just like the tide. So instead of thinking about what's relevant in this moment, focus instead on what is timely for you keep creating. And I think eventually you will sync up with relevance once or twice if you're lucky. And and I think when you can focus on the work that you're actually doing and what's impacting you, other people resonate with that more than if we're just like trying to satisfy some timely thing that's going on in the world. The fourth question, what is the value of your work? <laughs> if you're like me, You have no idea because value in some instances is an extremely abstract concept. What is the value of your work to other people is one question. But instead, what if the question is, what is the value of your work to you? And much like the question of enjoyment, if you're learning and growing through the process of making your stuff, then guess what? That's pretty valuable. You might not be able to put a price tag on it, but if you weren't working on this project, would you be learning and growing in the same ways? Most likely not. And I think the reality is that value appears in ways that don't fit concisely into a carousel on Instagram or as a pithy meme on X or threads. And the thing is, with value, you probably won't be able to quantify it. So instead, qualify it. If there's one thing that I remember from doing research and presenting it in a thesis or a business case study, is that you don't always have to quantify your data. Some data can't be quantified, so there's qualitative data. And that's all about the stories. Brene Brown, a lot of her work centers around qualitative studies. She codes her data and is able to draw connections. There's nothing wrong with it. It's just a different way to see valuable connections. The fifth question, how is consistency holding you back from evolving your work to the next stage of its existence? A day doesn't go by when I don't get the message of how important it is for content creators to be consistent. But what if that consistency is keeping you from experimenting, failing, and evolving into something new? The message of consistency is often tailored around audience expectations. For example, if they know a new episode of a podcast will be released on Wednesdays, then you must satisfy that expectation. But what if this is wrong? What if the reality is there's so much content out there that your consistency has no effect or bearing on your audience? Are they sitting around waiting for you? No, because ads and algorithms are feeding them new, new, new all the time. And that's no shade to the audience. It's just a reality. So if you need to take a week off or a month off to think, then do it. Your audience may follow, they may not, but it's not up to you. It's up to them. And it's not going to be because you took time off. It's going to be because there's something else in their sphere of attention. The sixth question. Is your content structure and format stale? One of the books that I turned to early in my career was Rise of the Upreneur by Chris Ducker. And in this, he described three types of content that you should be making. And that's content that is entertaining, educational, and inspiring. And those are great structures and formats for content. But I think as we move into 2024, I think we need something more. I think we need more exploratory content where we don't know what the outcome is going to be. That might be like we have a few questions that we're going to ask an interview, for example, but we don't know what the full outcome is or content that is challenging. We need to have deeper discussions in this life about what's going on around the world and in our country. But if we can't create content that challenges common ways of looking at the world, then what are we doing here? And with that, I think we need more in-depth content. Instead of worrying about what is the fastest way to deliver content, we need to be thinking about how deeply can we go with our content. And these are three different ways of shaking up the structure and format of your content. With that, find new stories to tell. We need to stop rehashing the same boring case studies about Google, about Apple, about whatever company that did something amazing once in this lifetime. And we need to stop worshiping the same entrepreneurs and successful creators and focus on building relationships with up-and-coming creators, people in our communities, people that we want to relate to and connect with. That's going to be more important for your content than anything else. It might not get you as many clicks because famous names can sometimes lead to more relevant content, but it doesn't mean it's better. Seventh, are you sacrificing your vision for likes, follows, and making the audience happy? I think we need to be more selfish with our visions. And if people don't get it, you need to find the people who do. I am guilty of this as much as other people are, but we need to stop changing to satisfy people who are going to drop us quicker than I can read the sentence. Why do we care about people who will never accept us, who will never support the work that we're doing? So just do the work that you need to do, and find the people who are going to support it. I know that seems challenging and impossible, but I think that's the path forward. The eighth question, are you over-relying upon reviews and vanity metrics? I think if there's one thing that is probably going to be the most controversial statement in this entire episode, it's this. Reviews and vanity metrics are meaningless. They are a way to game a system or a platform. Give it your all, whether it's rated high or not. I mean, what does a one-star review really mean without context? A one-star review without any messaging behind it is weighted the same as a one star review that said your customer service sucked which one can you actually learn from the one with context the same with a five star review five stars is irrelevant but a five star that said you were able to take care of my issue or i was able to learn from you by you know implementing these 10 questions of reflection you know without that context someone who isn't in your orbit they don't care and the people who your show or your project is for they don't care either recently i've been watching the terrifier movies (laughs) i mean not the greatest films but they have an audience the first terrifier movie has a 5.6 on imdb that's a solid f And here's some interesting data for you. The first film, it raised $4,360 on Indiegogo. Okay, so 5.6 on IMDb, 4,360 on Indiegogo. Well, how did the sequel do? Well, the sequel is a 6.1 on IMDb. That's some improvement. That's a D. But the Indiegogo raised $215,127. That's almost $211,000 more than the first movie raised. Obviously, the right people resonated with the work and gave their money. They didn't care about the reviews. They just wanted to see Art the Clown kill more people. And that is what people want for your work. (laughs) They don't want Art the Clown to show up in your work. But they want you to create your work, and they want to support you and your work. So be more like Terrifier and be less like Marvel. The ninth question. How are you dumbing down your audience? I think we dumb down our audience more than we think we do. First, if we cater too much to them and what their supposed expectations are, we're dumbing them down to some avatar instead of being real people. So give them more credit. For example, it's okay to write or speak in the first person when giving examples or telling stories. The audience understands the difference between a narcissist and a storyteller sharing from lived experience. Tenth and finally, how do you want your voice to show up in this project? Of all the things that I've talked about in this episode, voice is probably the most curious and interesting to me. With Getting Work to Work, I have landed on a very specific brand voice built upon curiosity, professionalism, learning, and evolution. But what I've noticed with my second podcast, Beyond Your Imagination, I'm closer to my actual self. Sure, I still have those areas of getting work to work, you know, curiosity and professionalism and quality. (laughs) But in Beyond Your Imagination, I'm definitely more conversational and use a lot more profanity. I don't think voice is something that you think about. I think it's something you experiment with and let evolve over time. So what's one shift you can make in the approach to your voice in your projects? Maybe it's asking less questions and instead listening to what's actually being said, or it's the word choices or the people that you're talking to. It could be the ways that you market your show all of these are a part of your voice. I hope these reflection questions will help you evolve and grow your projects in the coming year. I know I share it a lot, so pick the questions that resonated most with you, grab a notebook, and spend a few minutes writing down some thoughts. They might just help you in the coming year. Until next time, may creativity and curiosity fuel your life.